You can support the Reality Check podcast on Patreon, GoFundMe, or by purchasing one of my books. Links down in the show notes below. Welcome to the Reality Check podcast. I'm Zachary Phillips. So in today's episode, I've got another chapter of how to get your shit together. This chapter will be called Guard Your Mental State at All Costs. So if you want to read this chapter, I'll put a link down in the show notes so you can read it. And obviously, um, if you want to get the book, it's available as a paperback, ebook, and audiobook. As with everything I do, I release all of the stuff that I think would be helpful to the world for free. So that's the whole premise of this book. There's about 50 chapters in How to Get Your Shit Together. Each one is self-contained, which means that you could listen to this one or read this one out of order and out of context. And it doesn't really matter because each chapter is basically standalone. So if you get... Uh, if you like this chapter and you want to read the rest of the book right now, you can do so by grabbing yourself a copy. And if you like the idea of what I'm doing, you want to support me, you certainly can. And purchasing a copy of How to Get Your Shit Together or telling people about it is a massive help. But like I said, I'm going to release everything for free because I believe stuff like this should be free for people who need it. This book is basically the summary of the stuff that I used to get myself, get my shit together for lack of a better expression when I moved out of home at 15 um, from my father, who was a drug addict and a drug dealer and just dealing with the mental health ramifications of growing up in a household like that and the lack of knowledge and all of the stuff that I just didn't learn from him and sort of needed to sort of figure out and create myself. When you grow up in a neglectful, neglectful household and an abusive household, there's different things that sort of you just don't know about and you just have to discover for yourself so this book is the book that I wish I had have been able to read at 15 or at 10, you know, when those lessons really would have helped me to not deal with all of the mental affliction and mental issues that I did growing up. So like I said, I'm going to release it for free. However, if you want to support what I'm doing, you want to own a copy, you can. Paperback, ebook, audiobook. I'll chuck the links down below. So I'm just going to read this chapter to you. Chapter 2.1, Guarding Your Mental State at All Costs. Putting yourself first is not selfish. Quite the opposite. You must put your happiness and health first before you can help anyone else. Simon Sinek A successful life starts with a good mental state. What one person defines as successful will be different to another. However, regardless of what each of us wants from our life, our mental state is the common denominator. It is the base that we operate from. In order to be a good mum, elite athlete, successful business person, talented artist, or even just to survive until the next day, your mental state is key. By taking action to put yourself first, you're ensuring that you're in the best position to succeed. Putting yourself first is not selfish. Anytime somebody talks about putting themselves first, they can come across as selfish. So before proceeding any further, I really want to drive home the point of why you must look after yourself before moving on to helping other people. You can't be as good a parent, sibling, friend, employee, boss, or anything else if you're emotionally drained, compromised, or suffering from a mental affliction. The better you are, the better you can help others. Most people are empathetic, and as such, there's a real tendency to want to help others with their problems. So we take action without realistic thought towards our own well-being and end up compromising ourselves to help the other person. This is not a bad thing to do. In fact, many would consider it kind of a noble sacrifice. However, it's not realistically a sustainable course of action over the long term. A balance needs to be made. In my role as a parent, there are some hard musts that I need to ensure are met. 
Adequate food, clothing, water, shelter, and safety are prioritized over everything else. In order to provide these things for my son, I would do almost anything. However, beyond providing these core musts, the decision to choose one activity over another becomes significantly murkier. For example, if I have a spare hour on the weekend, should I choose to go to the gym or take my son to a play center? Presuming I can't do both, my decision depends on my mental state. For me, exercising daily is one of the best antidepressants available. It keeps me sane. Thus, my ability to provide these musts for my son may be compromised if I don't regularly exercise. If my depression flares out of control, I may not be able to provide the care that my son really needs. Realistically, he can go forgo one trip to the play center, but he can't forgo dinner. It sucks, but it's a compromise that has to be made. What's more, if I'm in a bad place, I'll not be able to properly focus on the events happening at the play center anyway. In order to be focused, present, and attentive father, I need to look after myself in my own way. That could mean taking him for a jog in a pusher as a compromise of exercise with baby time. If necessary, I could, call, of course, push through a mental affliction and work more if necessary. But I couldn't sustain that forever. Eventually, I would break. This is why it's important that I take preventative actions to best guard my mental state. This concept can be, best, can be further explored by the example of a friend going through some kind of crisis in their life. I'll always try to help them, of course, but that kind of help I will provide them will be dependent upon my mental state. If I'm in a good place, I'll feel more comfortable getting more directly involved than if I'm, a, than if I'm in a bad place. It's important to recognize that my level of care stays the same, but I know my limits. If directly helping them would cause me to have a breakdown, I don't. I will offer referrals, advice, a chat, or simply shared sympathies. I can't help them if I need help myself. Another great analogy is one of a life-saving at a pool. You should only jump in if you're a competent swimmer, have the appropriate equipment on hand, are sober, and are ready to perform. Because realistically, if you're not in this state, you'd probably drown along with the person you would be attempting to save. Not only do you need to be in a good place to be able to help other people, but it's imperative that you place importance on yourself as a matter of priority. You, more than anyone, has to ensure that your needs are met. Only you are in a position to know what you need, and you are the one who will be directly impacted by the circumstances of your life. I'm not saying to use people, to take more than you need, or to ignore the needs of others. Rather, still be you. Just be aware of your limitations. Realize that at different times you are capable of doing different things and act accordingly. You'll perform best when you are at your best. Self-esteem is also a factor. Some selfless people are like that because they believe themselves to be worthless. That they are somehow worth less than other people. That their lives, concerns, or issues are less important or, or significant than those of other people. If this is you, please realize that you are just as much of a human as anyone else. Regardless of your past actions, everyone's made mistakes, or what has happened to you, you are, you are not at fault for the actions of others when you're a child. You should consider yourself at least equal to everyone else. Take action. Say the following out loud. I will put myself first, because by putting myself first, I'm ensuring that I'll be able to help those I care about to the best of my ability. Unless you're in a good place yourself, you can't act. I know that I'm sounding like a broken record, but it's vital that this is understood. If you sacrifice yourself, attempting to save someone else, you'll both be lost. Even if that person recovers, you may not. Or at least not in the time to help someone else in need.
How to guard your mental state. There are two main avenues that you can take to best guard your mental state. One, add more good things to your life. And two, cut the bad things from your life. Of course, what helps or hinders you will be different to everyone else and may even change for you over time. But by acknowledging the impact of different events, people, places, or circumstances have on your mental state, you can develop a plan and act accordingly. Always move towards the positive and away from the negative. Take action. For the next month, take a daily journal with the following headlines each day. Positive impact and negative impact. Every day, you are to write a minimum of one item in each category. Include any event, person, place, or circumstances that impacted your mental state regardless of how small or large the impact was. Specify the detail down to the tone of voice used, a particular word, a type of food, a time of the day, a song or an advert. Note down anything that causes a shift in your mental state either way. At the end of the month, get two A4 pages with the following titles, positive impacts and negative impacts, and copy your entries across, noting down any repeat entries with an extra dash after the entry. Once complete, these sheets will serve as a good starting point to seeing which things are impacting your mental state and will help you to guard it. Once you know what things impact you, you then need to develop an awareness of your current mental state. For some people, this level of self-awareness will come naturally, but for others, it may be more challenging. Due to events in my past, I suffer from dissociation. Basically, this means that I sometimes struggle to connect with myself and I won't realize the extent of my anxiety or depression levels. It is as if one part of my mental state is blocked from the other parts. Despite this lack of awareness, I'm still impacted by mental afflictions. I'll be acting anxious or depressed, but not aware of it. It is almost as if I'm on autopilot, unaware of how I am feeling. If you can relate to these feelings of a lack of connection with yourself or reality, complete the following take action, as well as consider looking into the concept of dissociation by talking to a qualified therapist. Take action. In the same journal as the prior take action, each morning, noon, and night, take note of your current mental state. Out of 10, rank yourself with the following criteria, with one being the lowest possible and 10 being the highest possible. Focus out of 10, happiness out of 10, energy out of 10, and motivation out of 10. Don't get too caught up on what what constitutes a three or a seven. Just attempt the exercise. The goal of this activity is to get you into the habit of checking in with your mental state on a regular basis. The better you are at determining your mental state, the better you will be a the better you will be judging if you're in a position to take a particular action. Guarding your mental state musts. One, cut the negative people from your life. If someone's constantly getting you down or is always in a bad place themselves and wants to, even unintentionally, bring you down with them, end that relationship, at least in the capacity that it currently stands. Of course, this gets tricky when the person is a close family member, but for most of those relationships as well, my advice still holds. Some family members are simply toxic. Others, whilst well-intentioned, may still impact you negatively. In those cases, limit contact with them as much as possible and only see them when you know you can handle it. If your ability to cope changes, end contact and reschedule a catch-up at a later stage when you're back in a good headspace. Should your elderly mother live with you or in a retirement home? Should you put your sister up in your house until she gets a job? Should you pop into your grandparents' house because you happen to be driving close by? It all depends on how it would impact your mental state. The same is true for 
for colleagues and people doing a sport recreational activities with you. If there are people who cause you mental duress, take steps to address the issue. Can you be transferred? Are there alternative arrangements that can be made? Before you begin cutting everyone, I want to highlight a couple of things. First, do your best not to burn bridges. You don't need to announce what you're doing or explain why you're simply doing it to anyone. This is not a formal breakup. Simply just stop making as much contact with them. Be civil and calm in your interactions. Realize that there may come a time when you want to rekindle the relationship, and if you've burnt the bridges by telling them exactly why they are toxic, you may have ruined the opportunity. People can and do change over time. Secondly, before you start cutting people off from your life, make sure you sleep on it. This will help you determine if your decision to cut them off is based on a heightened emotional state or the result of careful deliberation. Finally, it's worth considering the idea that an issue in a relationship could be coming from a problem inside of you. If you're having a problem with many different people across many different parts of your life at the same time, you could be the common denominator. You certainly could be at a toxic workplace, have a terrible romantic relationship, as well as with issues with your friendship circle. But there's also a possibility that the problem could be coming from you. I would strongly suggest talking to a qualified therapist prior to cutting people off to ensure that you're working through all of your own personal issues. Two, prioritize mental health over money. When I was working full-time, I would bank my sick leave, waiting instead to use it as mental health leave. When this ran out, I would still take the time off that I needed to recover, surrendering that day's pay. Thankfully, I've always been frugal with my money, so I could afford to miss a day of work here or there. That being said, there have been times where I haven't been able to work for months on end, literally. This choice took a significant toll on my lifestyle, but the trade-off was worth it. To put it bluntly, I'm still alive. There were times when work stress combined with personal factors were causing me to fall into deep periods of depression. These were highlighted with episodes of self-harm and the contemplation of suicide. I chose my mental state over money. You should too. There's no point having a large bank account or a new gadget if you are too depressed to enjoy it, or if the process of acquiring it causes you to question your continued existence. I've taken this concept a step further. I've realized that I'm not capable of long-term full-time work. I'm just not built for it. I get overwhelmed with responsibilities, stress, and pressure of needing to be on every day without rest. I've now moved into a more casual approach to employment. This new approach has me performing a variety of different activities, like writing, coaching, replacement teaching, disability work, and eBay selling. Now I choose when and how much I want to work. Truth being told, I'm on less than half of my full-time income, but I'm infinitely happier. Trading money for time and freedom was one of the best decisions that I've ever made. Three, make doing what you love a daily priority. I love practicing my martial art, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, as well as exercising daily. These activities has been constant, has consistently been the best form of antidepressants that I've yet come across. I know that they'll boost my mental state for the day and I'll be better off because of it. I make certain to schedule those activities into my day as a matter of first priority. This is a preventative action taken to guarantee that I'm in the best place mentally. Prioritize the things that benefit your mental state the most. Give yourself time to read each day, walk your dog, pluck your eyebrows, have a long phone call to a loved one, or play the guitar. Whatever it is for you, make sure that it happens daily. The positive feelings will carry over and begin to compound. 4. Change plans when your mental state changes. 
If you've made some plans in a good mental state, but something happens that puts you in a bad place, feel free to change them. It is tempting to push through, of course, but that may not be the right move. You may have a breakdown. Consider rescheduling to a later date or altering the plans to better suit your new mental state. I've planned on attending a party only to cancel and catch up one-on-one at a later date. That way I'm not overwhelmed by the party, but I can still socialize with my friends. Frequently asked questions. Question. I don't think that it's selfish to put myself first by guarding my mental state, but I am concerned that others may. How do I let them know what I'm doing and why? Answer. Whenever possible, I find it best to use open and honest communication, letting people know who I really am and what I need out of a relationship. Most people understand that I have certain needs and simply get it, just like they would if I explained a physical condition to them. If somebody does not understand and is unwilling to accommodate me and my needs, they may, they may be somebody that I will consider cutting from my life. Question. I'm concerned that my work would judge me for taking so many sick days. In the path, in the past, I've chosen to push myself through the mental affliction rather than take the time off to recover. Answer. Companies want their employees to stay. Recruitment, selection, and training costs are huge, and the process of integrating a new employee into the team can be very time-consuming. It is often a better financial choice to accommodate the specific needs of employees than to continually cycle through them. You could consider negotiating part-time employment, job sharing, working from home, or other arrangements specific to your needs. If that doesn't work, you may need to change to a more understanding workplace or consider a career change. I know that sounds extreme, but if you were significantly struggling, what is the alternative? Would your boss prefer you to take a sick day here or there, or to leave the workplace entirely? Resources. Running on Empty and Running on Empty No More by Janoyce Webb and Christine Musallo, and The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris. Summary. If you're in a good place mentally, you'll be unable to help others, to accomplish your goals, or to enjoy your life. You need to take the necessary steps to protect your mental state as a matter of first priority. Okay, so that's the chapter. If you would like to read that chapter, I'll put the links down below, um, and it'll be on my website with the other chapters that I've already released. I think there's about, this will be the fourth one that's gone up. Um, But like I said, if you want to own this book, if you want to read all of the chapters now, I've got it up as an ebook, paperback, and audio book. Obviously, it's fairly comprehensive, um, so I suggest you take it step by step. The book itself is broken into six subsections. Overcome anxiety, defeat depression, move on from trauma, get organized, find meaning, and follow your dreams. The basic premise of the book is, like I said, I'm giving it away for free because I want it to be able to help people. I've broken it into those sections because I found that most self-help books... Well, there's two problems with most self-help books. The first problem is is they either focus only on the mental health side of things or only on the motivation side of things. And I think that people need a bit of both. You need to be, you know, help you through the anxiety and depression and other mental afflictions that we suffer with, but also give you a point and a purpose and a reason. And if the book only focuses, focuses on that sort of motivation getting after its side, it doesn't really help you to address the mental health side. And the chapter in the middle there, Get Organized, sort of covers those skills that those life skills that you might have had overlooked if you had a similar history and past and childhood to mine, things that you just, that most people seem to pick up and know along the way that you just sort of don't for whatever reason. So that chapter's in there as well. The other problem that I have with most self-help books is that they're very highly motivational. You read them and you're like, yes, hell yes, let's do this. 
but they don't leave you with any with any actual substance or things to do. There's no sort of take action. There's no, there's nothing to do. There's no, there's no action steps. So you're left with all this motivation, but no ability to actually do anything with that motivation. So how to get your shit together. I wanted to make highly practical as in here's some actual advice and stuff that you can try and do. The default advice that I say in almost every chapter and almost every video I say is get yourself a competent therapist because having someone that you can talk to about your specific issues is vital, right? But there are other things that you can do which this book will certainly highlight over and over again. So like I said, it's out now as a paperback, ebook, and audio book. If you want to grab yourself a copy, if you like what I'm doing here and want to support what I'm doing, getting a copy of How to Get Shit Together is a great way to start. There are a couple of other things you can do. Um, writing a review for the book or for the podcast really does help. Tell people about it, like, share, subscribe, do that whole thing. I've also got a couple of different options that you can directly sponsor or support me through GoFundMe and PayPal, as well as through Patreon. I've just initiated a $10 tier in which for $10 per month, which is $2 per week, which is basically nothing on your end, you'll get a behind the scenes look at the stuff I'm doing. So at the moment, I'm writing a new book called Lucidity. It's going to be a fiction novel and I'm going real deep into it. So I'll give you a back, you know, a little bit of backstory of that. I can go in deep into what I'm doing specifically, exercising every morning, that sort of stuff. Basically, I want to give people extra value for the support they're giving me, but I don't want to take away from my core message. So it's just a little bit of an extra kickback and a little bit of a thank you, but also something for you as well. And for everyone that supports me across any of those mediums, you know, if you've bought if you've bought my book and you want to get this little benefit as well, message me, show me that you've bought the book, and I'll do this for you. Of course, is ask me a question and I'll shoot a video, write a pod, um, do a podcast or a blog answering your question. Just another way for me to say basically, you know, thanks for for the support because, you know, doing all this stuff obviously costs me time. That's time that I could be putting towards other projects, but it's a passion project. It's what I want to help. So the more help and support I get, the more I can do. Together we can make a difference, basically. Thank you.